fruits, do we then make void the law through faith? And God forbid, yea, we establish the law. And the important thing for us to realize is that the law of God is established by Christ and not negated by Christ. And that we are still under law. All of us. Now that doesn't mean that um, I'm talking about the moral law of God. Uh, and we're under that law. And we're under the mosaic law in the moral sense. What we're not under is some of the ordinances that were given. Uh, but we are under the law of God because they turned into the ordinances of man. And the New Testament makes it clear that we aren't expected to abstain from anything except things strangled that offer two idols and blood. And so, I'll go on with that tonight. But first of all, I'll let David tell you what happened in America. Sunshine, thought you all 
usually want to talk about Christ and the ways of God. They have a lot more error, but they've got more room to have error. Because more people go to church, so there's more room for it. But there's also more room for truth. That's what's so wonderful about it. You can just go and buy a plot of land and stick up a church, build a house. You haven't got any stupid plans or surveyors or architects coming and poking their nose in. It's your land, you get it done and shoot their grunts if they come near. That's the way it is. It's what I call freedom. That's what I'm called. Freedom. Every house is different. You haven't got some idiotic aesthetic nitwit in the council offices who can tell you what he thinks is right for you to build. That's freedom as far as I'm concerned. This country lost its freedom about 100 years ago. And it just gets worse. Genesis 15, verse 1. 
After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. And Abram said, Lord God, what thou give me, seeing I go childless? And the steward of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed, and no one born in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but he shall come forth out of thine own bowel. He that shall come forth out of thine own bowel shall be thine heir. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven and tell the stars if thou be able to number them. And he said, So shall I see thee. And he believed in the Lord. And he counted it to him for righteousness. And you remember when we did that, I said that the belief there was stating himself upon the Lord. In other words, he settled his heart, put his trust in the Lord. And God counted it to him for righteousness. And you remember this is the time that Abram first saw the sand on the seashores. Do you remember? The earthly, now he looks towards the heavenly. The star, social ICB, looks toward heaven. Look now toward heaven, said God. And he saw a spiritual seed, and he had faith and believed God, and it was counted to him for righteousness. Now what did he do? What? Put his trust in what God said. He didn't know how it would happen. In fact, later on we discovered that he tried to produce it in his own methods. Don't we? But what he did is he put his trust in God. That, uh, as it goes on later in Romans, uh, that he was promised he was able to perform verse 21 of chapter 4 and being fully persuaded in Romans 4, 21, uh, and being fully persuaded that what he had promised he was able to perform. Um, and therefore it was imputed to him for righteousness. Now, we need to understand that uh, the whole of the gospel is basically preached from Genesis to Revelation, the good news. Abram was saved by believing God. And Paul, in his argument, is saying, listen, his salvation is the same as our salvation. Because he said, what should we say then? Uh, Abraham was justified by faith. Now why did Paul make such a point of making sure everyone realized that Abraham was justified by faith? Because God, in whom there is no variableness nor shadow of turning, has always had salvation. There always has been salvation in God. And Abraham believed God and he was counted to for righteousness. And then he goes on and he talks even as David described the blessed of the, of the man unto whom God imputed righteousness without works. Saying, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed are the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. Now, David.
David, King David, knew the same. Now the reason why it's so important that um, Paul uses David and Abram, you will remember that um, in Matthew's Gospel, uh, I think it is where it begins, and it says that Jesus was the son of Abraham, son of David. In other words, he came through the line of Abram and David. And the great figures in the Jewish faith are Abraham and David, King David. And he was a man blessed of God. And we need to understand that the salvation that the Jew had is the same as the salvation we have. Now that might uh, in some ways surprise you, but that's the truth. I said it before. Now they looked forward to the sacrifice of Christ. We look backwards. But the faith is the same righteousness is imputed to a person by faith without works. That means nothing that I do will make me righteous. It's believing and putting my trust in God. But I can only put my trust in God if God's actually spoken to me. It's not sufficient to have a Bible and put my trust in what the Bible says. I need the Word to be quickened to my heart by the Spirit of God, the let it get it, the Spirit give it life. If God doesn't speak to my heart from His Word, and I respond and put my trust in what is said, if He doesn't speak in that way, I cannot have salvation or be a partaker of it. It must be a living, a rainbow word. Abram believed a rainbow word, a living word of God, and I need a rainbow word in order to come to life. Just the written word is insufficient. It needs to be quickened by the Spirit of God to my heart. That's why if you read in uh, Luke's Gospel, first three chapters, I think it is, you'll find that, um, in fact I know it is, you'll find that all the time it speaks about the Holy Spirit and his influence. You remember when he came and Elizabeth was barren, and you remember the priest went in to offer sacrifice, and the Holy Ghost spoke, an angel spoke to him, and the Holy Ghost moved upon him, and then John was born, and then Mary um, conceived, and the Holy Ghost should come upon her, and the power of the Almighty shall overshadow her, always speaking of the Holy Ghost. And then there were the prophets who were in the temple who were filled with the Holy Ghost and prophesied. Says in the scripture. And yet, what we've done as Christians is we've turned around and said, well, the Jew can't have our salvation. They can, providing they believe. Now, of course, there's only one way to salvation now, and that's the living word of God, Jesus Christ, as we said before. But, previous to that, as long as they believed God, righteousness was imputed to them. If they put their trust in God and God spoke to them, righteousness was imputed. And not by anything they did. It's very clear, for what set the scriptures, Abraham in 
verse 3, believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Now to him that worketh is the reward, not reckoned of grace, but of death. Now I want you to notice here that Abraham was in a state of what? What? What was Abraham's state? Oh, come on, just read it. It's there. Now to him that worketh is a reward not reckoned of grace, but of death. Now what state was he in? Grace. Pardon? Grace. Abraham was not under the law, he was under grace. Is that what you're saying? What about King David, who he goes on to talk about? Under grace. But just a minute, I thought grace was a new covenant teaching. Never. Paul says grace always was. Now, when you start realizing that, it changes a lot of your views over rubbish that people talk out of pulpits. Because grace always has been. And you see, what a lot of people have uh, actually said is that, you know, Christians are not under law, they're under grace. That is not true. We're still under law. We're in a state of grace. And uh, we're in a state of grace because our righteousness is that which is imputed by the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ because we put our trust in him taking the wrath of God. We're still under law, but the penalty of the law, which would be upon us because no one keeps the law, we will break it, is done away in Christ and his blood cleanses us from all sin. Follow what I'm saying? Or follow it? Hmm? So we have a shot to discover that Abraham lived in a state of grace. Or does it surprise you? Or does it? Hmm? Well, there it is in a good book. Anyone wants to argue with it? No. Very simple, isn't it? And this is one of the greatest parts of Scripture where Paul wants to talk about salvation and his writing, you remember, to Jew and Gentile. He shows there's no difference between Jew and Gentile. And then he goes back and points out that the Abraham and David. Now, not all Jews were under grace. It was only those that believed. When God had spoken to them, they responded to the word of God. Those were the only ones who had Righteousness imputed. Even as David also describes, verse 6, the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputed righteousness without works. Now here's a wonderful thing. There's a blessed state that we can come into where it's not what we do that counts, but what we believe. It's blessed when you can come to a place 
where you stop trying to live up to God's standards and do things to attain, and you realise that you can't attain and you give up trying. That is a blessed state. Because when you really have the word of God and God's quickening to your heart, you come to faith in Christ, you just know that your sins are forgiven. You know that Christ took the wrath of God into his own body on the tree, and you know that he's risen from the dead, and you know that the punishment that was justly yours for breaking the law, Jesus took for you. And you know he did it for the past, he does it for the present, and for the future. And you put your trust in that. And blessed is the man who comes to that point, totally putting his trust in what Christ has done. That man is totally and completely delivered. Hmm. You sit there with me. I mean, doesn't that make you want to rejoice? Huh? It should do. Okay, go on. Uh, blessed is the man to, uh, to whom the Lord will not impute sin. Count this blessed then upon the circumcision only, or upon the uncircumcision also. For we say that faith was reckoned to Abraham for righteousness. How was it then reckoned when he was in circumcision or uncircumcision? Not in circumcision, but in uncircumcision. And he received the sign of circumcision as seal of the righteousness of the faith which he had yet been uncircumcised, that he might be the God of all them that believe. Though they be not circumcised, that righteousness might be imputed to them unto them also, and the father of circumcision to them who are not of the circumcision only. But who also walk in the steps of the faith of our father Abraham, which he had yet been uncircumcised? For the promise that he should be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if they which are of the law be heirs, faith is made void, and the promise made of none effect. Because the law worketh wrath, for where no law is, there is no transgression. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be by grace. To the end the promise might be sure to all the seed, not to that only which is of the law, but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations before him, for we believe, being God, who quickeneth the dead, and calleth those things which be not as though they were, who against hope believed in hope, that he might become the father of many nations, according to that which was spoken, so shall I see thee. Um, Abram received the promise and was considered righteous by God before he received the sign of circumcision. He wasn't circumcised, nor were any of his household. Afterwards, he went and circumcised the law. But, uh, we don't need that, thank God. Uh, we can be justified without. So Abram was the father of the faithful before being actually a Hebrew. And that's the glorious thing. Do you know, it goes on, if you pick out, let's just pick out a couple of the verses, okay? 
Um, because the law, verse 15, worketh wrong. Now, verse 14. For if they which are of the law be heirs, faith is made void, and the promise made of none effect. Uh, verse 13. For the promise that he should be heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. Now, what God's saying here is not that the law is done away with. What he's saying is that righteousness doesn't come through the law. Now that is a different thing, isn't it? <clears throat> you see, the law doesn't make anyone righteous, it makes sin abound. We talked about that previously. So the law never actually makes anyone righteous. What makes them righteous is faith. What changes you is what you believe. What doesn't change you is what you do. Inside, what you do doesn't change you. What changes you is what God does and what God speaks to you. And then he imparts his righteousness to you. Now that's the glorious thing. When God gets hold of a man, he changes him internally. He's a Jewish one, inwardly. Alright? Everything's inward. Now the law is outward. But what it does is it restrains sin, as we're coming on maybe to see in this epistle. The thing is, Abraham was in a state of grace. King David was in a state of grace. Isaiah was in a state of grace. Ezekiel was in a state of grace. But the law was still there. for a Christian to turn around as did someone like Gerald Coates and mislead half of Christendom in this country and write a book which was virtually classical and it's not under law or under grace and you've no business to write the book and um, what he purported to be expressing to people is that the law was done away in Christ so he could live any old way that's what it came down to the sum total of it now I'm saying you're justified not by what you do, but by what Christ has done. But don't jump to the conclusion because of that you can do what you want. That would be a very big mistake. The law of God still applies. And we better be very careful to see. Christ said, except our righteousness exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, we can no wise enter into the kingdom of God. So the law must apply, and I need to know the law. And I need to know the dealings of God. And I need to know the Old Testament. I need to read it and learn about it. I need to know about Abram, because Paul refers to Abram here. I need to know about King David. I need to know the Old Scriptures. In other words, a new covenant person is dependent on finding out how to live in the state of grace by reading the Old Testament. And yet, you will find most Christians today wouldn't like that. But that's the truth. And um, therefore, verse 16, it is a faith that, that it might be by grace. The end of promise might be sure to all the seed, not to that only which is of the law. Now just a minute, why has he put law in there?
because there are people uh, of law and there are people who live in grace. And he's just saying that the promise is to the seed. And here's something else. If you just uh, flip with me to chapter 12. Okay, I want to go to chapter 11 of Romans, uh, rather than 12. Okay, and he talks about the Jews and they, they being the vine. Do you remember? And then in um, verse 16, for if the first roots be holy, the lump is holy, and if the root be holy, so are the branches. And if some of the branches be broken on, and thou being a wild olive tree, were grafted in amongst them, and with them partakest of the root, and fatness of the olive tree, boast not against the branches, but if thou boast, thou bearest not the root, but the root thee. Thou wilt say then, the branches were broken off, that I might be granted in. Well, because of unbelief, they were broken off. And thou standest by faith, be not high-minded, but fear. For if God spared not the natural branches, take heed lest he spare not thee. I want to ask you a question. He's talking about grafted in branches and the branches of the Gentiles coming by faith. What are we grafted into? Hmm? Who? Jesus Christ. Who are the natural branches grafted into? Huh? Jesus Christ. Now, we've been grafted in and we weren't the natural branches. And the natural branches were broken off through their unbelief that we might be grafted in. What does that tell you? It tells you that the new covenant's not that new. Doesn't it? What does it not mean? I mean, if the natural branches were already in Christ, they had to be broken off to be got rid of. Through unbelief. And yet we are grafted in. But we mustn't boast or glory. You remember glory was excluded in this gospel. Do you remember that? Um, we mustn't boast because, in actual fact, our grace is the same as their grace. We're planted into the same tree. Aren't we? Well, where is all this great teaching of the new covenant that makes every Christian superior. Not in the Bible. That's for sure. Um, it says in verse 18, Glory not against the branches, but if thou put glory, thou bearest not the root, but the root thee. In other words, the light comes from the root of the tree, and that tree is Jesus Christ, and you have been grafted into Christ, but you've been grafted in by God. It was God who broke off the one of the branches. They were broken off. They didn't break themselves off. God broke them off and grafted us in. 
Now, we must be careful that we realize that salvation is totally by faith and it's the work that God's done for us. We're in Romans chapter 11, and I read that from verse 18. And um, we have to realize that we have nothing to glory in. Because our salvation is not of works, lest any man should boast. How many of you find that offensive to what you've heard before? Stick your hands up. How many find that's contrary to what you've been taught? Put your hands up and see it. You were taught wrong. Well, you? Well, either this is right or you are. Are you going to take a long time? You see, when you begin to look at what the Bible says, you get a totally different attitude to what really is true. How many of you heard people talk always about, oh, well, you know, the Lord's none and void, no effect, now I'm under grace, you know, I don't yeah, well, I mean, now can it be true? Where was the original tree? In Genesis. Abraham was grafted into Christ way before Christ ever came. Now we are grafted into the same tree. So we better not glory. What they're doing is disobeying scripture. When they make their boast, they've got something better than the Jews have. And the scripture permits it. What we have, of course, is a clear conscience. Because we look back to Christ, they have to wait. They received a good report till the coming of Christ. They led captivity captive. We've already gone on to that and talked about how they look forward. We look backwards. And in that sense, we get our full salvation, but they've got it too. They just had to wait. But they believed. We have the fulfillment of it. Now, when you start looking at things like that, it changes your whole idea of the way the Bible is, doesn't it? Hmm? When I read the Old Testament, I'm reading about people who were grafted into the tree. What tree? Hmm? Jesus Christ. So well, I don't like that. Well, I'll go to John's Gospel. Chapter 15,
Now I am clean from the word that I have spoken unto you. Now how we made clean? By the word that is spoken unto us. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine, no more can you except you abide in me. Now look, you can't bear fruit if you don't abide in Christ. That means you have to do what Christ commands. And that's in every area. I must do what Christ commands. And then I'll bear fruit. But Jesus is the vine and I'm a branch. You all agree with that? So the, in Romans 12, what is he talking about? As the tree and the root. Jesus Christ. And notice how he said that a branch, if it doesn't bear fruit, um, he taketh it away. There you are. So really, we have nothing to boast of in the fact of justification. The Jews were justified in exactly the same way as the Christian. They looked for the sacrifice of bull and goats. We looked for the sacrifice the land of God. They looked forward to that. We look back. Alright, you all follow that? So, your whole reading of the Gospels starts at Genesis. The Gospel according to Genesis. And as you read the Scriptures, realize that the grace always was. <coughs> Grace in a state of grace has unmerited favour. Man never deserved God to come and bless him and help him and love him. They all lived under grace. And that we're to be grafted into exactly the same life as the people of God. And that is a great mystery. But it will change a lot of your views about scripture when you start understanding that. I would say that if I preached it in most places, they encountered heresy. But it's truth. And I don't care. Uh, I'm not going to preach it in some place, though. I'll tell you that now. But there you are. Okay, so you are on the stop of Israel. <coughs> We're true Israelites, or true Jews. Because we've been grafted into the tree. Not because I've been circumcised and followed the Mosaic global, but because I have faith in Christ. He's a Jew who's one inwardly. So I'm Jewish inwardly. Just because my nose is shaved and I have a big dot does not mean that I'm not a Jew. I am inwardly. And that's why when I listened to Dave Lowden talking, I thought, well, what he, he just doesn't understand the Christian gospel. So he was living on the outward, I live on the inward. That's what's important, isn't it? And when you get that revelation, it changes your attitude to a lot of things. Don't say, well, I wish 
I was, um, you know, had the heritage of a Jew, you've got it. You're a child of Abraham, the seed of faith. Amen? Do you all agree with that? It's wonderful, really, isn't it? <coughs> See? And you're under the law. Glory to God. But of course, you don't come under any penalties because Christ has taken all those and he will come and fulfill righteousness in you. You'll get that. Just keep going. And we'll go on with it. That's all really, uh, yeah, that's all I really want to say. But I think it's tremendous. When I start considering things, and I think of the way other people talk me, they talk me wrong. And thank God that if you read the Bible, just study the scriptures, it's so easy and simple that you come to a right understanding of it all. When someone comes to you and starts talking about the new covenant, with a grin and a twinkle in your eyes, say, well, I'm part of the everlasting covenant. <laughs> what they have understood is the grace and the state of grace Abraham knew. Otherwise, why did it say if it was a works, it wouldn't be counted a grace? And when you start realizing that, it begins to put everything in perspective in the scriptures. Amen? In a different perspective. I have some wonder of it all. We'll go on with our study tonight, God willing. I'm just thrilled of what God's doing. I just see that the most important thing is people realize is the death and resurrection of Christ is important. Do you know you are delivered from everything if you want to be? People remain bound because they want to be bound. People remain in bondage because they want to be in bondage. As we were praying this morning and before, um, I, I saw very clearly, and as Ruth gave the interpretation of the tongue, which was actually a prayer. Um, I hope you realize that. Or if you didn't, well, for you. Um, uh, the only reason I didn't give the interpretation is because I thought someone else should. Um, the thing is this, that I realized very clearly that God has made a way, and what grieves his heart most is that he's laid a way open for people to come into freedom, and yet they won't take him. <coughs> that is something that bewilders the Lord. That though he's left a way of freedom, people will not grasp hold of it. Now you have a right to be free because of what Christ has done. And whom the sun sets free is free indeed. The only reason anyone gets into bondage is because that's where they want to be, in bondage. I remember years ago, one of the jobs I did, uh, when I first came to Christ, I helped in the home of drug addicts and alcoholics. 
I want to tell you, anyone that wanted to be free got delivered. Preach Christ, if they wanted deliverance, they could be free. And drugs is a funny thing. I, I mean, I saw people there who would come into the center, and before they actually got there, they would hide catches of drugs all over the place. They would actually go in the grounds and hide them. Um, you know, putting water systems and polythene bags, everything. So that when they felt the need for the drug, they would get it. When I used to be in the police and got a strong enough nose, I used to go and collect the drugs and flush them away. And then they'd come in desperation. And they come to me and say, I say, what's wrong? They say, someone's stolen my drugs. <laughs> what drugs? Oh, what, 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 what? Well, well, I had some with me. Where? Well, 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 I put them away, but I want to find them. Someone's stolen them. Deep as they were. You see, now the reason they wanted the drugs was they didn't want to be free. Drug addiction, sin. Anything that bends the mind is sin. Anything that causes the mind not to have face up to the realities of life is sinful. It's as simple to sit down and listen to uh, uh, symphony music, you know, and think, you know, and go into a dream world. That's sinful. Not to face up to the realities of life and let God deal with your heart. And these guys, they were cute. They always thought they could get away with it. But you've got to know their hiding places and you've got to know the way their minds and think. So you outwitted them. But I learned the principle. And the principle was this. It was hopeless trying to help someone who didn't want help. Someone who's rejecting Christ, that's hopeless. Never help. Same with the alcoholics. They wanted the drugs for an escape. That's why people go to the doctor today and get Valium and whatever else it is. They want an escape from reality. But our escape is in Christ. Our deliverance is in Jesus Christ. What God can't understand is why people won't avail themselves of his salvation. And if you won't, and you run to any other means than the one Christ has provided, you are committing sin. I want you to understand that it's willfully going against the commandments of God. Drugs never make anyone better. The mind making drugs, they destroy the mind and the capability of rational thought. There are drugs that just make up the deficits in the human body and so on. My wife lacks thyroxin. Well, they can just give you thyroxin. 
French can't take vitamin C tablets, need more vitamin C. That's not a drug, it's a natural thing. A drug's something different. An antibiotic kills an infection, but a mind-bending drug's an evil thing. God never intended our minds or our hearts to be played with. The only thing that should touch them is the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, and faith in Him. And you can be free from everything if you want to be. Free from fear. You get free from fear when you put your trust in Christ. If you fear, you haven't put your trust in Christ. Free from talking and worrying about tomorrow. Well, that's simple. Put your trust in Christ. So, whether you put your trust in Christ or not, if you want to be in the true mind, you have got to abide in Christ or you'll never be. And abiding in Christ means you've got to draw from his life and live the way he would live. And I don't think Jesus would need a large sponge to keep him going. Do you? I mean, I know a little wine for your stomach saying I see no one. <laughs> but I certainly see harm in people that are addicted to drink or to drugs or to smoke or to any they don't feel the habits like that. That is sinful. Hmm? In the same way, you can be addicted to television, addicted to um, classical music, addicted to football. I won't say addicted to cricket because. The way our country's playing at the moment, no one will be addicted to that, but addicted to anything. Some people are addicted to reading novels. They read these novels by, uh, I can't remember her name now, this woman, romantic novels, and they live in a dream world, or, or they read uh, novels by someone like you. Amen. Mm-hmm.